Do you want to tell other people the gospel? Do you want them to know the good news of Jesus? You've got to ask yourself that question. Uh, tonight we're going to be in John chapter 5, chapter 5, starting in verse 31. It should be on your sheet. You can follow along. Uh, I was surprised Sunday whenever Pastor Randy, if you were here, he, he preached through this passage, and uh, that wasn't planned. It was already what I, I had in mind to go through. And, and so just know that if you were here Sunday and you heard that, then it's, there's a good chance that God's really trying to speak to you and tell you something through this passage, so you should really listen up. Um, we're going to jump right in. Uh, we're going to read verses 31 through 47, straight through, and then we'll um, focus on one aspect of it. We're not going to break down every aspect of it. We're just going to focus on one part, um, and then we're going to talk about how that applies to our situation today. So John chapter 5. Starting in verse 31, it says this, If I alone, this is Jesus talking, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. He's, you sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp. And you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you've never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent." You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have, they have, you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Let's take a second to pray, and then uh, we'll walk through this a little bit. Uh, God, I pray uh, through the power of your Spirit that you would, you would speak to us, that you would give us the ability to understand what's going on here and that um, as a result, you would, uh, you would change our hearts, and you would, you would change our minds, and um, God, that we would uh, see, the, see the gospel as uh, something worth sharing to other people so that they might have life. And so I pray that uh, you would do that work in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so to understand what's going on in this passage and to understand why Jesus is saying this and to whom he's saying it to, you've got to go back to the beginning of John chapter 5. So here's what's going on at the beginning of John chapter 5. So Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's at this place called the Bethesda Pool. And there was kind of a unique story at this place. So they believed that, and I guess it happened, I don't know, but they believed that at different times there would be an angel that comes down and when the angel stirs up the water, the first person in the water would be healed of whatever they needed to be healed of. And so there would be people gathered around this pool. And so Jesus goes there. And the story says that there's a man at this pool that 
had been disabled for 38 years, and he's there just waiting. And the story says that Jesus walks up to him, and he asks him like a really obvious question. He says, do you want to be healed? And so the man says, well, yes, I want to be healed, but I've got nobody to carry me to the pool. And when I try to get there myself, somebody beats me to it. And so Jesus just simply says, hey, why don't you get up, take up your bed and walk. And so he does, and he's healed, right? It's this great miracle. There is just one problem, that it was on the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, according to their laws, you weren't supposed to do any work, like moving your bed. And so the religious leaders see this, and they go up to him, and they're like, hey, do you know what you're doing? You're doing some work on the Sabbath. You shouldn't be doing this. And the guy says, well, the guy that just healed me, he told me to get up, and he told me to walk, and he told me to move my bed, and so I did. Now, it kind of goes without saying, if somebody heals you after being disabled for 38 years, you just are obligated to do what he tells you to do, right? And so that's what the guy does. And so they're like, okay, well, who was it that healed you? And they eventually figure out that it's Jesus. And so they go up to Jesus, and they're like, hey, do you realize what you're doing? Do you realize it's the Sabbath? And so Jesus just kind of responds by saying, like, hey, look, right now the Father's at work, and so I'm at work. And you might not think that's a big deal, but it was a really big deal to these religious leaders. In fact, in verse 18 of chapter 5, it says this. It says, this is why the Jews... We're, see- we're seeking all the more to kill him. They didn't want to just kind of hurt him. They didn't want to maybe kick him out of town. They wanted to kill Jesus. And it says, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was, all- but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. They go up to Jesus, and it's just kind of interesting because they're so worried about the fact that he's- this guy who was just healed is doing work on the Sabbath just completely ignoring the fact that he's healed. And so they go up to Jesus, and they're like, do you realize you're claiming to be equal with God? And so Jesus says, yes, and in fact, you know, I'll prove it to you, that there are others that bear witness about me. Their testimony is that I am who I say that I am. And so we're going to take a look at who Jesus says bears witness to him, that he is who he says he is. And so quickly, number one, Just kind of generally speaking, godly people. Godly people bear witness to Jesus being who he says he is. And he specifically in this passage refers to John the Baptist. John the Baptist. And he describes John the Baptist in a a cool way. He says that he's like a burning and shining lamp. He says John the Baptist is this great example of somebody who is living a godly life. He's respected, and he's, the people he's talking to, he goes, you, know, you knew John the Baptist, you respected John the Baptist, you wanted to listen to John the Baptist. He was a great example of somebody that, that loved God and followed God. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this about John the Baptist. It's an amazing compliment. He says, among those born of women, there, is, uh, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. I mean, that's quite a compliment, right? So like, what's so Great about John the Baptist. Well, if you look at his life, there are some great things about him. He was a really humble guy. At one point, Jesus walks up to him and says, hey, John, I want you to baptize me. And John is like, are you kidding me? You're you're supposed to be baptizing me. You're Jesus. You're the Messiah, right? I'm not even kind of fit to carry your 
sandals. And so he's humble, but he's also really bold. Like he would walk around proclaiming the kingdom of God and he would tell people to repent. He was also really fearless. At one point he rebukes a king and ends up getting his uh, head cut off because of it, right? And so he's kind of all these great things. He's this great leader. And so Jesus says, hey, look, look at John the Baptist. Look at this godly example. He testifies that I am who I say that I am. And then he begins to step it up a notch. He says, not that I really kind of you know, need his testimony. There's, there's more than that. He says, number two, he says, the works of Jesus. The works of Jesus. Look in verse 36. He says, but the testimony that I have is greater than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish. The very works that I'm doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And so think about it. At different points in the Gospels, we see that Jesus performs these supernatural, God-honoring miracles. These are things that people just can't do, and the reason why they're so great is that every single one of them is so honoring to the Father. They honor God. Think about whenever Jesus heals, or, or fe- heals thousands of people, and he feeds thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. Think about when he casts out demons. Think, think about when he raised people from the dead. Think about how he fulfills hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament. Think about how even though at this point in his life it hasn't happened yet and they haven't seen it, but think about maybe the greatest miracle of all, how Jesus himself rises from the dead. He conquers death. And so he says, look at the works that I'm doing. These aren't common things. They aren't things that you can do. These are supernatural, God-honoring miracles And since they're God-honoring, they testify that I am who I say that I am. And then third, he says the scriptures. The scriptures bear testimony to him. They're a witness to him. The scriptures, for a couple reasons. He says first, because they're divine, that they're from God. They're divine or from God. In verse 37, he says that the scriptures are the Father's way to bear witness about Jesus. They're unique in that aspect. They're from God. Uh, when I was learning about this, uh, a, a pastor uh, named Tim Keller, he was explaining that there's this verse in Matthew chapter 19, it's four to five, where Jesus is quoting God. He says that God says something from the book of Genesis in chapter two. But when you go and read Genesis chapter two, verse 24, It's not God that's speaking in that moment. It's the writer commenting on something that God has done. Who was the writer of the book of Genesis? Well, it was Moses. And so it's like Jesus is saying, hey, uh, I know that that Moses wrote this down, but it's from God. It's God speaking through the scriptures. In in 2 Peter, uh, chapter 1, verses 20 to 21, it says this, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone else's interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the scriptures, they bear witness to Jesus because they're divine, they're from God. And not only that, they're all about Jesus. The Bible from cover to cover continually points to Jesus. Old Testament, Gospels, New Testament, it all points to Jesus. In verse 39 of John 5, Jesus says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. 
Now, the message is there. The problem was the guys, these religious leaders that knew the Bible so well, they thought they'd be saved or have eternal life because they knew the scriptures, not because they realized that they were pointing to Jesus, and that's what actually saves you. He says, and it's they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. Then look in verse 46. He says, for if you believed Moses, and he's referring to the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, he's saying, look, you believe those to be true, but he says, uh, you, you would believe me for he, Moses, writing the first five books of the Bible, wrote of me. The scriptures are all about Jesus. They're all about Jesus. So listen, here's what Jesus says to kind of recap and sum it up really quickly. That Jesus is saying what bears witness to me, what testifies to me being who I say that I am, are, are godly people like John the Baptist. They are the supernatural, God-honoring works that Jesus performed and the scriptures. They testify that Jesus is who he says he is. So, why are we talking about this tonight? Okay, why are we talking about this? All right, now listen. I remember being your age, and I remember adults getting up and saying things like, hey, right now while you're in school, you've got this unique opportunity to see your school as a mission field and to tell other people about Jesus at like no other time in your life. And I remember being your age and just kind of thinking like, yeah, they're probably thinking that, but maybe they're just kind of nostalgic about high school and middle school. Maybe they just kind of miss it and they just miss their friends and whatever. I didn't really believe them. But now that I'm at my age and I've got to kind of see from my perspective being at school, listen, guys, you have a unique opportunity right now in your life to see your school as a mission field and to reach other people with the gospel of Jesus. You have an opportunity that's going to be different than any other time in your life, and you're going to want to make the most of that. And I know that there's some of you that really want to do that. You really want to make an impact for Jesus. You really want your friends to know what can save them and give them eternal life. Don't you really want to tell them that? Right? I believe that some of you do. I believe that some of you do. So, Tonight, what I want to show you is that although there is no formula to do that, and there is no guarantee that you can do that, because we know and you hear it all the time that only God can save, right? But God wants to use us to testify that he is who he says he is. And so what I want to show you are kind of three things you can point to that Jesus himself said, bear witness to me. So what we just looked at. First, godly people. Think about maybe who may be at your school that you can point to. People that are respected. People that are living godly examples, right? Maybe you've got some, some coaches like that. Maybe, you know, if you're at Barb, you can say, hey, you know, Coach, Coach Richard and, and Coach Kachina, Coach Barrett, these are guys that love Jesus, and you respect them. You know, they love Jesus. Or maybe it's some teachers. You know, I know some at, some at Barb and NSJ, and, and probably you know some at your school, you know, teachers like Miss Benoit, like, she just outwardly, like, loves Jesus, and you talk to her, you can see that, and their students like her and respect her, right? You can point to people like this. You could probably point to other students, and I can think, think of some, and there's some in this youth group for sure that you can point to and say, hey, you know how this person lives differently? You know how they're just so kind and, and gracious, and even when they do mess up, they kind of own it, and they ask for forgiveness, right? 
you see that godly example that they are. Well, well they love Jesus. They're living a, a life pointing to Jesus, and you can point to these people as witnesses to Jesus being who he says he is. But don't forget, you can also be that person, right? You can also be that person. So, so think about it. Think about who are some people who you can point to as godly examples? Who are some people that you can point to as godly examples? And then also think about how you can be that godly example. Secondly, like Jesus said, point to the works of Jesus. Now, it's a little different. In the Bible, these guys literally saw a guy get healed. And so we might not see Jesus in the flesh and him heal a guy by this pool, but Jesus is still alive and he's still at work. And he's still working through people. He's still working through you in different ways. And so you can point to the works that Jesus is doing in and through people. I know a lot of you guys know like Mark and Callie Wisenhunt, who recently moved. They kind of sold everything they had and they moved to India to be missionaries. And if you look at their life, like it kind of doesn't really make sense, right? Like who gives up their quality of life that's really good and lowers it for the sake of other people? Moves to the other side of the world away from family and friends right? Who does that kind of stuff? People that love Jesus, right? And so you can point to that and go, look at the work that God is doing in, in these people, right? It points to Jesus. And I can think of like last year, you know when like those floods were happening uh, around like the Baton Rouge area? And it was like immediately when it was happening, I had a friend, he's a part of this church, Chris Stanford. Immediately I'm getting texts and phone calls like, let's go. Let's go help these people. And so we, like, work all week, and then on the weekends, right after work, Friday afternoon, man, we're driving over to Baton Rouge to spend the whole, whole weekend working and tearing out sheetrock and breathing mold and all kinds of stuff. It's like, why would people do that? Because of the work of Jesus in their life. And so I can point to guys like Chris and go, why else would he want to do that? Why else would he not want to relax on the weekend? Why would he want to go work the whole weekend? Because of Jesus' work in his life. And you probably know example after example of how Jesus is working in and through people, and you can point to that stuff and say, how else is that happening other than the fact that Jesus is alive and at work? So you can point to the works of Jesus and finally to the scriptures, to the scriptures. And I know what some of you are thinking. My friend doesn't, like, believe that the Bible is true, so why would I point to the Bible to show him that Jesus is who he says he is? Well, just because somebody might not believe the Bible yet doesn't remove the Bible, Bible of its power. Okay, so if Jesus says that the Father's testimony about Jesus is through the scriptures, you want to put your friends in a place where they can hear the Father speak. And he says he's speaking through the scriptures. So even though they might not believe it yet, even though they, they might say, well, you know, it's just some words from some people that lived a couple thousand years ago, there's still power in it. There's still power in it, and the Father still speaks through it. Okay, so when you're trying to make much of Jesus and you're trying to share the gospel in your school and you're trying to testify that Jesus is who he says he is, you can point to these three things to do that. Now, there's again, there's no guarantee, but if this is what speaks to Jesus being who he says he is, you should point to those things too. And you might be amazed at what might happen. You might be amazed that your friend that you might think is really far from God and disinterested, you might not realize how close they are and how much God is at work in their life to where it might just kind of take one conversation from you. It might take just kind of 
one story of you explaining the scriptures to them for God to work and ignite their soul and bring them from death to life. You may never know. And so don't back down. Don't, you know, lack the courage. Go and, as Jesus says, go and make disciples. And I'm telling you, right now, you may not believe it, but right now, at this stage in your life, in the place that you're in, the school that you're in, you've got a unique opportunity to reach people for Jesus unlike any other time in your life. And so I want to encourage you to make the most of it. Let's pray together. God, we're, um, we're thankful for your word, and God, we, we pray that you would empower us to do this. Um, I pray that as we go in and amongst our, uh, in our schools and amongst our friends and family, uh, I pray that we would continue to, to point to these things so that they can see you, so that you would speak to them. And, and so, God, we uh, do pray for um, a great work to happen in all the schools represented here tonight. And I pray that you would use these students here um, to begin to do that work. Help us to see that we're the hands and the feet of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.